Hello, and welcome to the AAMFT Podcast, your all-access pass to the latest news developments and thought leaders in the world of systemic therapy. We strive to relate, educate, and innovate, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Dr. Eli Karam, and we're brought to you by the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. Our podcast explores topics that relationship-based therapists care about. In addition to featuring unique conversations and interviews with established experts, our show provides information and education on direct practice and emerging trends in the MFT profession. For more information, please visit us at aamft.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, Eli here. Welcome. Episode 5 of the AAMFT podcast, where we uh, educate, relate, and innovate one episode at a time. And today we're here to do that with one of our most requested topics. We're going to do a deep dive into the field of telehealth, specifically online therapy. Online therapy with a systemic frame. I've often wondered, can you do good relational therapy with a couple, with a family, without having met them, without being able to get that feel, as MFTs all know, of being in the room? Uh, can, can you point out the process uh, and build an alliance with members of a system when you have not physically met them face-to-face? We'll talk about that today and talk about what you really need to do to be prepared to do this work so that it is in your scope of competence, so to speak. Obviously, it's in our scope of practice as couple and family therapists to use telehealth and online therapy, but what do you really need to know to ethically and responsibly practice online therapy? It's not something you just jump into. And today, two great partners, uh, both professional and friends in real life, Shelly Smith and Jen Labanowski are going to be talking to us. So as therapists who experience providers of online therapy, Jen and Shelly are going to tell us the difference between providers who just jump in and those who intentionally provide ethical and knowledgeable quality online therapy. They've had extensive research, as you'll learn today, before they even started their practice, United Counseling and Wellness, and they're here today to share uh, with our listeners all that they have learned and how they've positioned themselves in the world of online therapy as couple and family therapists. They're very involved in online case conceptualization groups. They are on the forefront of AMFT's telehealth and technology topical interest group, which after you listen to the interview, I'll come back at the end and tell you all about and how you can be a part of it. And they've even consulted on the design of a video platform uh, for a well-known practice management system. They're popular presenters and most recently hosted an institute at the 2018 annual conference in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, titled Online Therapy, a Systemic, Ethical, and Practical Approach. So without further ado, here are Jen and Shelley. 
or I can. Okay, Shelly and Jen, welcome to the AAMFT podcast. This is one of the most requested topics, uh, online therapy, and how do you do that, especially when we're thinking about relational systemic couple and family therapy. But first question is, how did you all get into this? And when I say this, let's talk about the MFT profession in general, Mm -hmm. and then later kind of moving towards online delivery of of marriage and family therapy. Sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, So... MFT in general. My story was not direct. (laughs) I went to undergrad in Indiana for other things. I was a middle school teacher for a while. Um, I worked in a a church setting for a while. And then through all of that, I watched all of these families struggle and really try uh, to figure things out. People are asking me questions that I couldn't possibly answer. And so finally, I thought, I need to be able to help in another way. So I went back and got my master's in MFT because I was drawn to, at the time, specifically helping adolescents and their families Um, and so graduated uh, from my master's program in Indiana and then moved to Illinois relocated with my husband and our children and promptly met Jen uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) through our supervisor Yeah, yeah. So I guess what kind of led me to that moment. Um, uh, So I, um, I kind of went into went into undergrad thinking that I think I want to be a a shrink or an attorney and and wasn't quite sure which so I did an undergrad in psychology and psychology just wasn't feeling like that idea of what therapist meant to me um, uh, until I took some classes in family social science and um, realized that there was this whole field of marriage and family therapy that looked exactly what I always wanted that therapist life to look like. Um, It's almost like you... you thought systemically without ever having exactly, a specific language. Right? Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, so I went, uh, I did my undergrad at University of Minnesota and met some wonderful people there and um, got kind of um, herded over to K-State where I would get a fabulous, uh, fabulous master's education and really loved the program there and it just cemented for me that this was this was my thing these were my people um and so uh so then then a few years a uh, few years later after finishing the program uh i moved with my husband also to illinois um where uh where shelly and i connected like she said through the one mft supervisor in town who was wonderful and amazing and and thought maybe the two of you should meet um and uh and yeah we started working together Started working together um, in Illinois and developed a small little practice, just the two of us, and it was great. And we loved being partners, all in um, person, and all face to face. Yeah, therapy right. At the time, right. A pretty traditional, mm-hmm. pretty traditional setup. Um, but we we both knew that we wouldn't be in Illinois long term, and that eventually our lives would lead us elsewhere. That was we knew that from the very beginning. Um, and uh, a few years later, after after having this nice practice together for years. Um, Actually, right around the same time, we both realized we would be moving away, and 
we looked at maybe shutting down the practice mm -hmm. because what else would you do uh, unless... That was, and that looked like a lot of work. Yeah, shutting absolutely. Shutting down the practice was not going right. to be easy. And at the same time, I had some clients who were in a position of really just wanting to finish out their work with me rather than transfer to someone else. And right. so I was getting a few questions here and there around, uh, you know, can we keep, keep working together or things right. like that? And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, gosh, I'm going to have to shut this practice down, start or join a new one somewhere else, rebuild my entire client load. It was incredibly daunting. And then there was the piece of just moving in general that is stressful right. and large. And so I thought, how am I moving my entire family uh, with no income for a while? Yeah, because right? it feels like starting part, over, right? right? Yeah, right. and really just have to start completely fresh. And so I thought, well... I was really biased against online therapy for a very long time, and Same. even at that point I still was, but I thought, well, maybe I could at least just, just finish out that work with a couple clients, you know, as that transition is happening. Uh, and so I started just researching it as much as I could in terms of doing my homework, right? Listening to podcasts and trying to find people who were doing it. And at the time, this was a couple years ago, there wasn't a lot out there. Um, some great resources that I found, but not, not a ton. And so started just trying to find stuff everywhere I could and reading articles or whatever to figure out, is this possible? And can I do it ethically? Can I do it well? Right. You know, I don't want to mess anything up. What do I need to know in order right. to do it? Yeah. Right. And I didn't want to do it wrong in some way that would be potentially harmful for my clients. And or, so I, Risky, or risky for right. me in any way with licensure things, and so I really started kind of diving into it, and I was filling Jen in a little bit during that process, um, and and kind of just saying, you know, this is something you might want to think about too, because maybe it would help with some of your clients. Right. Not at all envisioning that this would be something we'd ever do long term, right. but really just sort of as a temporary fix. Right. And then one day, the magical moment, yeah, Jen well, catches me in a hallway after I, I mean, I, and I was still trying to even manage my biases at that moment when Shelly was suggesting that I might do that for myself for my move with my clients um, because I had strong feelings about like you can't do good therapy. No, I thought online, I'd just be so right? uncomfortable like, with it. Right, just be right. awkward and weird and there'd be no real connection. And and, and you can't things. do, yeah, you can't do like good connected um, work without breathing the same air. Um, but but as, as Shelly I had so much trust in Shelly at that point, and as I could see her thoughts changing, I, I was willing to trust that, that maybe there actually was something there, and, um, and we kind of looked at, you know, if we're both going to do this online work to, to get established in our new places and finish up with our older clients, do we actually have to shut down our practice, or could we just make it bigger. Um, I, I often talk about this moment as sort of this magical moment where I'm in between clients in the hallway and Jen stops me briefly and says, I have an idea. I have an idea. <laughs> you can either, you know, tell me to keep going or tell me to shut up at any yes. moment. Both, both of you right. were individually thinking the same thing and then you yes. had this aha moment and, she, and, yeah, and shared it together. Yeah. yeah, I shared it yeah. and said, think about it. And in yeah. my head I thought, this is huge. I don't think this is a good idea, but I think this is the best idea in the world, right? right? right. All at the same time. And so let me think about it. Right. But I knew walking, you know, walking out from that conversation that this was what we were going to do. Right. I mean, it just felt right, even as terrifying as it was Absolutely. in the moment. Yeah. So we went from working together in this small community in central Illinois um, and being able to reach the 
the clients that could come to our physical office um, to Shelly moved to Milwaukee. I moved to Minneapolis. Um, we, of course, gained, Shelly gained the Wisconsin licensure. She already had Illinois licensure and Indiana licensure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I then um, gained my Minnesota licensure and Wisconsin licensure as well. So between the two of us, we're licensed in four states, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. So, so as of right now, um, and actually pretty fairly quickly from the beginning, we became a practice that could serve four states online um, with office locations in two major metropolitan areas, um, Milwaukee and Minneapolis. And we'll, we'll certainly, our listeners will want to hear about that, what you need to do. It's not like that you all are very organized in planning. You can't just <laughs> start this and right. say, I'm going to uh, be based here and I can take clients from anywhere. No, right. you have to know what each state and you have to be licensed in each state. And we'll talk about that. But let's let's talk about, first of all, for this to be in your scope of competence for an MFT, mm-hmm. what homework do you need to do? What training do you need to do? And kind of all the homework you all did to get to where you are now. What, what would be advice for our listeners that are contemplating mm-hmm. doing what you did? Yeah. So I mean, I think we kind of we kind of think about it in four categories, right? Like the, there's there's the ethical, the legal, the clinical, and the logistical, right? Um, and so so there's a lot of research and work that needs to be done in all of those areas, mm-hmm. um, and so. And we, we can get you know we can get deeper into that, but we realize that not only do we need to make sure that we are following and keeping up with the ever changing state statutes and best practices, um, uh, also really thinking about what's what's right and what's safe for the clients, um, and making sure that the clients that we're serving and and the clinical models that we're using um, adapt well to online therapy and um, and that that the work can either be protected or in some cases even enhanced um, and to kind of know what the lines are around what can work right now um, what might work in the future if we do more homework right and what maybe isn't for us um, and uh, and so so we just we started into lots and lots of homework and also lots and lots of processing because we also realized that our experience um, and our comfort level based on based on knowledge and controlling biases and all these things was actually going to impact the work um, yeah I think so within the four categories that Jen mentioned the all of those are homework pieces that we felt we needed to do in advance of ever starting with a client, especially three of those four. Um, and then later we learned that, oh yes, we need the fourth one too. The three being the ethical, legal, and logistical, right? What technology do I need? Can I legally do this, right? What, where are the ethical boundaries around that? Um, and then that, uh, those three w- were essential to have really built in before we ever saw our first client online. Mm-hmm. Because without that, uh, how do I know that I am practicing legally? Right. Right. Give us the timeline. So, you decided you were going to move, and then this yes. planning on the ethical, legal, mm-hmm. logistical, how much planning? So I started kind of doing that little bit of homework in the beginning, probably around 10 months before we were ever even going to consider starting with an online mm-hmm. client, um, and really spent that entire time 
digging into state statutes, digging into you know ethical situations. How would you handle this? What would the protocol be for this? How do we manage safety and risk concerns? What paperwork needs to be in place? What you know, informed consent legal documents need to be revised. I mean, all of these detailed pieces. Um, you know, what technology do we use, and what is what is exactly HIPAA and high tech that I need to be paying attention to, and how do I understand those? Well, you knew those, what HIPAA right? was, and you knew what high tech was, I knew but what how they does were, that apply But in terms here? of them applying specifically to online right. therapy, it's an entirely different right. thing, right? And so, you know, we knew the words, and we knew how it applied to our in-person practice, right. but getting into that even more was, was something entirely different, right? It takes it all to a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we had to have all of these pieces laid out in advance, and then there was this clinical piece of how do I clinically adapt, right? right. How do I take my MFT knowledge, my skill base, the, the theories that I use, the interventions that I use, the, the ways I work with couples and families, how in the world? Do I do that through a computer screen? Right? Yeah. And and the, and so there were a lot of things to think about there as well. And so there was so much that had to be done, sort of preparatory work. And then after we started, like I said, about 10, 12 months later, roughly, then I realized that this doesn't stop. Right? This, you know, looking up the state statutes, we keep them bookmarked on our computer for a reason because it is such an ever changing, a quickly changing um, part of our field that we have to constantly be relearning and up to date and figuring out what are those best practices. Yeah, it's ever changing. The more states you're licensed in, the more updating you have to do. And that technology is ever changing. Technology, new circumstances come up, you know, new things come up with clients. To consult with somebody about an ethical concern that I would have never imagined, right? So it, that's, that's a good thing to know versus practitioners that are face-to-face or only licensed in one state. How much you talk about the, the prep, which was months in advance even before you started. Uh, ongoing, how much time do you think you spend a week staying up to date with all those things you just mentioned? Just to, for someone that's listening, say, hey, can I do this? It's, it's not just about the... the the clinical hour. It's about the homework you have to do to stay up to date, to keep your to scope of competence. Um, how much time does that take? That's a good question. I think I... Well, and I think it gets complicated for us um, because we also, um, we've also kind of developed a team that, that helps us kind of stay on top, right? right? And, and so, so then we're, so if we maybe add in the, the minutes, right, that, that the attorney spends looking at some things, right, and, um, uh, and, and the marketing team, and um, there, there are all these different kind of um, considerations. And then we also feel very strongly about not practicing in isolation. Right. Online therapy, even more so, I believe, than in-person therapy, is isolating mm-hmm. in private practice. And so, you know, obviously it's lovely for us because we're business right. partners and we have some of that already built in that we meet several times a week and can share the responsibility for keeping up to date with those statutes yeah. and with those best practices. Uh, but we also have, for example, like a, a case consultation of other right. therapists around the country, other MFTs, right. who we... Uh, meet with like bi-weekly and we, we you know, check in with them. We can throw out something or somebody will say, hey, did you hear about what's right. happening in this state with their regulations? Right. Or did you hear that in uh, talking to colleagues yesterday, did you hear that you know Texas right. now requires 15 CDU? So it's much it's like a peer supervision instead of, a, mm-hmm. instead of on kind of case 
presentations or clinical content. It's about keeping up to date with the technology and the rules and the statutes. Yeah. We do a case consultation as well with right. them, uh, but sometimes that looks like clinical adaptations online, right? Mm-hmm. Has anyone worked with, you know, someone who... Uh, child in their family or something or has someone ever you know utilized this theory is that something that came out of the this new (laughs) career path for you all or did you all know going in that there are these groups out there that do this because it sounds like that's a a big tip that you have that you don't want to do this in isolation and you Mm -hmm. want to be tied into a community that has been doing it longer than you have Mm -hmm. before you start Yeah, well, I think the com- this particular community, not everyone's online, but, but a, a good number of us are, uh, kind of grew up, grew up together mm-hmm. in it, almost it feels like, um, as people were kind of adapting it and realizing, like, oh, we're doing that too, what's that like? And so we, it sort of got established uh, yeah. collaboratively. So the next line of questioning, I think people think, you, you mentioned, like, it's one thing if you have a face-to-face relationship and then you expand, you move, they move, so you've built up that alliance that you have that, which is a very different experience than meeting people virtually for the first time. Right. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, mm-hmm. what you think the major differences are, and then the second question to that is, you think there's a certain type of client that would select uh, to see a therapist and MFT virtually versus face-to-face? Sure. Um, yeah, I think so. So, if it's okay, I'll, I'll kind of go to to this the second part first because um, what we see a lot of different reasons why people um, uh, come to online therapy, and sometimes that's what they're directly seeking out, um, and sometimes it's something that. They've heard about, they've wondered about, um, but they don't know a whole lot about, and that's that's one thing we see a lot is that that the the greater population um, uh, still has a lot of questions about what online therapy can actually mean, um, and uh, and so. So what Shelly and I, because um, I, I don't know if we made this clear earlier, but we are, we're not doing any asynchronous work. We're not doing um, text-based email therapy. This is all face-to-face yes. video chat yes. work. Um, because I think that some of the things that take people to asynchronous services um, um, can, can inherently be a little bit different than the things that take people to video chat do you think that's a you're making me think do you think that's a big part of the field because I just assume that if I'm gonna enlist someone a therapist online it would be in real time I wasn't thinking asynchronous Mm -hmm. do you think that is an uh, a new outgrowth in the field of online therapy Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, are, what are your personal things. views on that? <laughs> I'm sure you want to ask that. Yeah. Right? Well, yes. <laughs> it's we have not figured out um, a way that um, that we think that we personally. I'm going to be super diplomatic. We personally um, uh, could do good work the way that we want to do it um, uh, with asynchronous text-based, email-based um, as the primary mode of delivery. Um, and the, yeah. Right, because because that limits the relationship. Right, yeah. right. And ultimately for us, therapy rests largely in the relationship that we build with clients mm-hmm. and in, you know, in our systemic work with them. Right. And to do that strictly or primarily through email or through text, seems like it may, at least in my view, 
with the work I've done, it would be a disservice to my clients right. and it would not be providing them with the full scope of potential. For I know them you're, you're preaching therapy. to the choir here. It doesn't even, I mean, it could <laughs> seem like a adjunctive to therapy or some type of support, but to me, therapy is a in real time right. encounter, especially right. as systemic therapists, as relational healers as we are. It's, it's hard to imagine making it relational exactly. through text or right. through email. Yeah, right. right. So you're, I think we're all on the same page yeah. there. But I am, yeah. I am curious what that is like, um, establishing alliance with a system, an individual, or a couple, or a family when you have not face-to-face yeah. met them first. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, um, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't mean to get us too off track no, talking about that, but I think that some of the things that lead clients to asynchronous services is that, that sometimes maybe they're even looking for less vulnerability, right? Too like, much anxiety to handle exactly, a yes. one-on-one encounter. Um, right. So with the idea of therapy. Exactly. But, but I think that we find that a lot of the clients that find us um, that are seeking out online therapy in, in that, you know, real-time video chat, face-to-face, um, they are typically looking for something that is flexible and accessible, um, and they are looking to find a way to fit therapy into their life when when doing it in person may seem it may seem unattainable um, and and being able to maybe close their office door and have a session on their lunch hour or um, or know that um, that that they can they can do that from home if they need to um, if if traffic is really bad and and getting to a therapist's office would take not only the the therapy hour but then maybe an extra hour of time in in travel and all of these other things whatever or yeah or clients who tend to be in a smaller rural area mm-hmm. and are uncomfortable with the idea of a therapist who they know down the street right. who's also going to see them you know every day as right. they're walking into the coffee shop right or something uh, like that I think there's a good number of people who we found seeking services who prefer the confidentiality right. that's built into online therapy um, other providers therapists or healthcare in general attorney there's there's a number of people who liked the idea of not walking into a building that says counseling mm-hmm. above the <laughs> above mm-hmm. the door um, for various reasons right. um, and then there there are a number of people who um, have that I know have sought out services simply because they didn't think there was someone who could really help them or specialize in a way that they're looking for and right. I think as MFTs that's a place um, where we can often serve there may not be someone who's a trained MFT in their area right right? and so they're looking for someone who can do really good couples counseling right or really help them with their kid and so um, you know there's there's something there where they can look for a specialty or someone who can really fit their need in a different way than whoever might just happen to be in the community because we know how important therapist client fit is right and and not that I mean there there are even if you're in um, uh, an area with quite a few mental health professionals and maybe even quite a few MFTs, um, finding the therapist that that is right for you is important to the success of the therapeutic process, right? And online therapy helps 
helps the client cast a wider net and it helps the therapist cast a wider net so that it kind of increases the opportunity to, for us as clinicians to work with clients that that we are really well suited to work with, um, and and that like the the kind of clients that fit so well into um, uh, our our particular clinical strengths, or um, and and or or you know it helps the clinician maybe to practice closely within their niche or whatever that would be, and then for the client, it gives them more options to, to feel like they can really have have alignment with their therapist and that they don't have to limit themselves to a five mile radius of their home um, in order to keep up with weekly therapy. Oh yeah, so you will talk about the, the flexibility, the convenience, um, especially geographically. If you're isolated, you can find someone who's a good fit for you. Those are all great reasons clients would be interested in. Why would a therapist, specifically a relation-based MFT, why would they choose that as their preferred delivery? That being online. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Simple Practice. Simple Practice is an all-in-one platform where you can schedule appointments, send paperless intakes, file insurance claims, and so much more. Their integrated telehealth feature allows you to meet with clients remotely, while the billing system allows you to track and accept payments at the press of a button. Are you interested? You want to hear more? Please go to aamft.org slash simple practice. That's aamft.org slash simple practice to sign up for a special promotion of three months for the price of one. That's a great deal. Because running your practice should be simple, so you can do the work that really matters. It's a great question, and one that we hear all the time. Part of this goes back to similar things. Right. Some of this goes back to flexibility for the therapist. Right. The ability to, uh, like. In our situations, continue with clients and you know through relocation, right? Um, I still continue with some of those same clients on and off, right? That that I did uh, long ago. So we can continue out the work that we wanted to do in the first place in those settings. When there is some accessibility issues, right? If there's a way for me to be able to reach clients who I know I can help, who happen to live an hour or two hours or three hours away, uh, it gives me a wider a wider net, I guess mm-hmm. is, is the way you put it before, and that's fantastic because it gives me the ability to really specialize in a way I want that I might not otherwise be able to if I have to just capture those clients who are directly around my office. Um, so it gives us some flexibility there as well. It's also allowed us, uh, and this has been for me, just a really beneficial sort of maybe side effect in a way, but I really love that for me, it's allowed me to become innovative and creative in the way I use my clinical skills. Uh, you know, MFTs are innovators, right? This is how we've been all along. We've been creative and we've been innovating and we've been kind of on the threshold of doing new, cool, great things to help 
families, to help couples. Um, and, and this allows us to do that. So we might be working with uh, you know, parents in one location and their, and their child is in college two hours away, and we can still do weekly family therapy if we want to, right? We can still make things happen for families and we can help couples who might have to travel for work periodically or regularly, right? Mm -hmm. We might still be able to work with them through all kinds of difficult situations that we've never been able to continuously assist clients through before. Yeah, I think of those two scenarios, uh, a a child that launches and might be in college and their parents or couples that are for whatever reason in a long distance relationship and this is the technology that lets the work still happen probably when they need it the most. Right, exactly. What would you all say the biggest difference is, because many people will say, and therapists have always had the experience of being in the room when you create an event, when you're part of something, it just, you know, whether you're, it's an emotionally focused event or uh, some pivotal change moment it, it is uh, is fulfilling for both the clients and the therapist everybody knows that feeling it's almost addictive if you if you love doing therapy uh, I think some people would say can you can you still create that moment can you still have that feeling <laughs> we can tell you about that? some of those moments yes. today yeah, yeah people <laughs> love stories so please yeah tell <laughs> we, us a story we where obviously won't talk exactly about our clients right, yes, right? Sure. But, but just as a side note we both saw four or five six clients today right right um uh well we're traveling mm -hmm. and that has allowed us to continue the work that we otherwise wouldn't right i had a client reach out to me who was in desperate need, hadn't planned a session uh, for another week or two and said, I really need to see you. And I said, we can make that happen. Mm -hmm. right? That's not a problem because I'm already set up for this. Mm -hmm. We know how to do this. And and so I think for us, what we talk about is, is you know, will we lose the magic of therapy, yes. right? right. And, and we, uh, you know, I think Jen coined this word very early on, like there's this magic that happens right. in therapy. There are those moments, right, that you reference. and what would I do if I ever lost those, right? right? Would I still be right. a therapist even? I, I can't imagine losing those. Uh, and, and the lovely answer is, you won't. You won't. Right? We still have those moments day in and day out with our clients, and, and it's still there. That therapeutic alliance is still there just as strongly. Those magical, emotional, pivotal moments with our clients, they are still there, and they are just as intense, and they are just as strong. Yeah. Um, and it's it's honestly shocking to me in some ways right. Right? because a couple years ago I had a strong bias against it thinking right. that it wasn't possible um, and now we've been doing this you know, for a couple years and I can I can tell you it still happens every single time yeah. uh, with our clients so when we came together today after each having because you know those kinds of moments that you're describing right like I mean those are not moments that even for in-person therapy that you expect to have every single right. session right I mean that they're those are exceptional moments be because they're exceptional right um, but while while Shelly and I were apart from each other today doing our online sessions and we came back to each other we we each had several of those moments just today. I, I think we had like four big moments cool. between the two of us to share of that like that that feeling in your gut like yes this is working. And 
and those were all online sessions, right? That's great. And so That's great. Do you feel, because now you were both kind of circumstance brought you into this. Right. You didn't elect yes, it first, and, and now you've obviously developed this expertise and passion about it. Do, do you have a preference? Because many people would say, well, yes, you know, I... I'm adapted to the technology, but I would prefer to have people face to face. So, do, do, do you have a preference, or or do you is it a both and? Yeah, I like them both really, and and I will say that um, I think for both of us, we have I have some clients who I see only in the office, and I have never seen online. I've but th- that's that's few. I even even the clients who really prefer online uh, online work, there have been times where like there's a snowstorm or something like that, or um, uh, somebody gets sick and, and they do like having the backup, but it's it's only once in a while. Um, uh, but some clients where it's primarily in person, some clients where it's only online, and then quite a few clients that. Go back and forth. forth. Yeah, we do a lot of hybrid Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is nice because it allows people the flexibility, and that and that's kind of fun, right? And it it mixes it up a little bit, gives us a little bit of a different perspective sometimes on what's Mm -hmm. happening, and sometimes deepens and intensifies the work having a slightly different um, modality once in a while. Um, I I think for me it's both and. Right. right? It turns out. that I like them both, and mm-hmm. I like having the differences and the variety, and yet still the in, the intensity um, of the work in each one. And, and it's different, of right. course, with each, um, but it's nice. And and this is only anecdotal. I this I'm only speaking to to personal experience, but I will say that if I if I compare work with with a client that I have um, that I've worked only online with that we have never ever breathed the same air and and don't intend to uh, really ever do it um, um, versus a client that I've worked only in the office with I do not see any differences in terms of therapeutic alliance mm-hmm. or client change um, I, I, I truly feel like the work is is effective in the same ways. Now, I don't think that that happened accidentally, though, right? I mean, this this is where the work pays off, right? All of that homework. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even, like, all of our research um, in in creating a system that is is safe and secure, where the, the the technology is consideration. The um, uh, I mean, that the, where all the ethical and legal, um, logistical issues are all considered, as well as the clinical issues. That creates this therapeutic space that is safe, right? Um, and so, and, and it creates good work. And so, I I don't know that if we had not put in all of this research um, and and all of this continued work to make sure that it is good work. I don't know that we could say that. Um, right, so this is clearly good work. Let's talk about what uh, mm-hmm. not good work looks like for yeah. someone trying to do this. What, what would you mm-hmm. not want to do? Uh, oh, there's such a list. I know, <laughs> yeah. I figured you yeah. would know yeah. the list, start. yes. Yeah. So I guess if we're going through kind of our categories, right, if I go back to, like, first of all, legally, if you don't know what your statutes are mm-hmm. in your state, if you don't know if there's, uh, you know, education requirements going into mm-hmm. it, some states are now popping up, the certifications required, or that certain CEUs are required, some are still the Wild West and there's nothing, right? So there, there's a lot of variety. 
So without doing some homework into you know, regulations and those sorts of things, clearly that wouldn't be good work. <laughs> if you're not looking into um, you know the ethical pieces, uh, that wouldn't be good work, and, and that includes looking at best practices, looking at the AMFT guidelines, looking, doing some some coursework or you know seminars or workshops or things like that to get a little bit of knowledge, um, running through potential risk scenarios, safety situations. It's different online, right? When right. versus someone in your office when there's a high risk situation. So clearly, those. So, fall I under mean, that would be like like working with clients. Work. Clients are presenting issues <clears throat> that at least right now, do not feel like a good fit for online therapy um, um, or um, not having good plans in place that even when, so I guess when I say that, that not fit um, uh, clients that don't really fit right now for online therapy, high-risk situations, a lot of suicidal homicidal ideation, um, uh, a lot of extreme psychosis or things where seeing the client's full body um, uh, self-harm, some, some eating disorder things. Um, not, not saying that none of these things can be addressed online, but they have to be done very, very, very carefully with a lot of time and consideration. Um, so so working, with, working with presenting issues um, uh, that take a lot of extra consideration without doing that <coughs> considering um, would, be, uh, would be a big risk. Um, you then, will do some special assessment that you would normally not yes. have to do face-to-face. Face. Absolutely. So um, that's where we feel it's really important for clinicians to have in place through their homework, have, have put into place sort of a screening of sorts, right? Sort of just an informal, um, you know, in our case, it's an informal conversation we have with clients before we agree to do online therapy, right? It's just a 10, 15 minute brief consultation. We do it by video or phone, whichever is easier, it can work out. Um, but we're we're able did you start out that way or did you learn the hard way of getting people that that maybe are not a good fit for this luckily we started that way that's good yes (laughs) Yes. luckily we you know did so much thinking in advance that we we put we put a lot of sort of protocol in place for for screening in advance as well as for what happens if and when Mm -hmm. a situation would arise and so we felt a little more confident then going and working online because we knew how situations would hopefully be handled and we knew how we could walk into that a a little easier and more confidently in order to take care of the client right right? Um, so in that uh, just informal consultation we we check in with them, learn a little information about them, find out what they're really coming in for, ask a few little questions around these risk and harm situations, get as much as we can. Realistically, we know things may right. be picked up later, there may be things that are missed, and, and right. of course that'll happen, and that's why we have a reason <laughs> to have protocol for, right. for if right. those situations arise, but at least we're able to hopefully start with people who are appropriate online, and if not, if we don't think they are, then we absolutely will help them find someone locally who mm-hmm. is. So right. we feel very strongly that we're not just going to say, oh no, this isn't a good fit for you, but we will 
I go a little, take a little bit extra right. to help them find someone right. to go to Absolutely. And so, so after the um, the initial consultation, where we try to kind of pre-screen, and and the other thing too is even before the pre-screen, I guess that the pre-pre-screen <laughs> is like the education that we put out on our website, right? Yes. So if a client is contacting us, hopefully they've read a bit or at least at least been to our website and maybe even um, maybe even seen some information there. Um, and so there may be calls that might have happened from clients that were not a great fit that, that those calls didn't actually ever happen because the client learned after they landed on a website that maybe it wasn't a great fit right um, and so so then after yeah after the, the after we put the information out there then we do kind of an, an initial informal consultation um, then comes the intake summary all before the first visit right, right. Um, and with with the um, with the intake summary then we're, we're asking very directly um, questions about about risk and about safety and then also little things that we put into place what I say little things but they're pretty important, important. yeah <laughs> really um, important. just for example um, asking the clients to um, along with emergency contact information and things like that asking them to list the phone number of their local police department because if I am sitting in Minneapolis working with a client in Chicago and uh, and even though I've pre-screened, out of nowhere comes suicidal ideation, and I call 911 in Minneapolis, that's not going to do my client any good, nice. right? Um, and so knowing that just just by clicking on the client's name through our electronic health record on the screen as we're chatting with our client, that we could quickly have the phone number for their local police department that we knew was right nearby. I mean, the, this is why you really have to know. I mean, it's not just sign me up in as many states as possible. This is where you have to exactly. really know the community of which you're practicing, whether it be face to face or virtual. Absolutely. So on that, we require certain. We require this information from our clients. They can't bypass it, right? So uh, every uh, appointment, we know where they're. Local, where their local address is or right. where they're located, right? If it's at their office or if it's at their home or something right. like that. So we know where they're physically located mm -hmm. at. Uh, we have the local police department phone number. Mm -hmm. uh, we have their emergency contact information. And, and while we're talking to clients, if I need to, I can pull up that information, right? right? At the same time, on the same screen. Um, and so there are things that are put in there very intentionally for that. And the same thing, kind of going back, jumping back a second to what Jen was talking about with our website, you know, we've put specifically on there where we are licensed, mm -hmm. right? So that people know, and we explain on there, part of this is education for the public as well. You know, we can only practice in the states in which we are licensed. So, you know, these are the states in which we are licensed. Mm -hmm. So if you are coming from a different state. Well, you have people that try to, like, that have heard good things about you but aren't in one of those states that yeah. try to. We've, uh, we've been contacted yeah. from people in all kinds of states. And then you have to and tell them no. Countries. And we've had to tell, and countries, and we've had to tell them no, um, you know, depending on if it's another state that we're not licensed in, you know, we'll try to help them find an online therapist in, in the state where they're located. Um, but we, we do have to turn them down. And, and hopefully most people are reading that on our website in advance, um, as well as, you know, we have our licensure numbers on there, which most states are requiring at this mm -hmm. point, that you have that information on your website specifically. And, and it's also in the AMFT um, best practice guidelines for online therapy. And so there are certain pieces that are really important to know in advance. Right. And when you're kind of designing your online private practice or, or hybrid practice, um, you, you really have to pay attention to these things mm -hmm. and make sure that you're being intentional about each thing you're doing along the way. 
I feel like we could have a, a separate podcast on each of your four, your, right. your ethical, <laughs> yeah. legal, logistical, uh, and clinical. So and today is the... You know, but, but that's we, what we, we have so much information, right? right. right. And we're going to talk about where to get that information in a yeah. second, including your, your website. So I just have a couple more questions. When you sure. think, I think, I mean, my kids, I have a eight and a ten year old so they've never known a world without FaceTime without right, their right. digital natives and so much of our young people are growing up this way what do you think the future will hold for online therapy uh, in general and specific with kind of relation-based therapy couple and family therapy do you think this this is a trend that you all really got in on the ground floor of kind of by happenstance um, or do you think it will not sustain itself because we are a face-to-face relational profession. I'm curious what you think mm-hmm. this will look like five, ten years down the line. Yeah. I, I tend to think um, that that at least at least face-to-face video chat online therapy mm-hmm. um, is is going to stick around um, because I do believe that good work can be done this way. Um, and and honestly, I think that. This could be really, really good for our field because when when therapy can't be accessible or flexible, um, or good therapy can't be accessible or flexible, um, then it creates this situation for clients where it seems like well, therapy is only for like deep, deep crisis. And because trying to fit it into my life in in a way that seems overwhelming and and um, unrealistic, unless it must be done or everything will fall to pieces, um, I think that almost perpetuates some of the stigmas around um, around mental health. Right, that therapists or that therapy is only for for crisis for the deeply, deeply um, mentally ill um, in situations that are um, uh, that are really terrifying. And of course, I mean, that's, that's a purpose of mental health treatment. Um, but we all know that therapy can do so much more for so many people, right? And by making it accessible, that helps to increase the number of people who might not otherwise engage in therapy. Um, and the more people that engage in therapy, that helps to decrease the stigma around therapy, right? And so I, I do think it's here to stay, and I think it it's going to enhance our field, even enhance in-person work, right? Because it, it, it helps kind of further the idea that therapy's for everyone. And that helps MFTs um, knowing that um, that couples therapy can um, can be good. That family therapy can. Um, uh, yeah, I feel really strongly that over the years this is likely just going to continue growing, partially because of the impending shortage of mental health <laughs> therapists over right. the years. Right. I do believe that um, access to good quality therapy is going to get harder mm-hmm. as people are retiring. Right. Uh, and that is you know, just a numbers thing that we've mm-hmm. been hearing come from the research. And so this allows us to be able to reach further, right? To reach people who otherwise wouldn't have access. I also feel pretty strongly that in, uh, in the general population, that this is something that's going to be 
really popular, mm-hmm. right? Because if you can fit, at least this is what we've seen anecdotally with a lot of our clients, but also just kind of hearing pieces from other therapists and other people, uh, you know, if you can fit in life-changing therapy mm-hmm. into your busy, overwhelming, you know, super chaotic schedule in and, and an easier way, who wouldn't take advantage of that, right? Right. And as you know, more people are comfortable with therapy. As uh, you know, like you mentioned, right? The kids—they're so technologically advanced, right? You know, millennials are <laughs> very technologically advanced. Maybe a little older. So maybe, <laughs> maybe not quite there, but working on it. And and I think that this ever-growing trend is just going to get deeper and deeper. And we didn't get into a lot of clinical stuff today necessarily, but there are so many important clinical pieces that fall underneath this in our belief that it's going to grow. People can be vulnerable in a way that they aren't in person, right? Online, oftentimes people feel a little more open or feel that that vulnerability is a little more okay. It's a little safer somehow. Um, And so we're able to connect with people and get them to open up in a way that they might not in therapy or those people who aren't necessarily willing to go to therapy might consider it if they just have to put in a link on their browser instead of drive and all of the barriers. This is really about reducing barriers for people and it makes it more accessible. It makes it easier and and, yeah, physical barriers and physical psychological barriers. barriers. Yeah, yes, psychological, right. exactly. Right. There's just and a lot of openness there and a lot of capability. Um, and what we're finding uh, and hoping that the research catches up with at yeah. some point is that the couple and family work, we believe, well, there's no research to prove it yet, we believe is just as effective. Absolutely. And we found ways to make it work and we found ways to have incredible magical moments with clients and to really make a difference in their lives. And uh, and so I think that that's going to continue to spread. And and I will just add um, that that because our experience is just you know personal only, it's anecdotal. Um, uh, but we are speaking about about the the really successful couples and family work that we've done online that we have also dumped all this research into, and we feel that we are doing it right. Mm-hmm. And I do think that. If online therapy is done well, it will be here to stay and it sure. will help our entire field. If it is done poorly, mm-hmm. I think it could I'm, it could not only hurt um, uh, the sustainability of online therapy as a, as a modality, but it could hurt the field in general, right? If, if, if therapists are not doing the research, doing the the self of the therapist work to understand, manage, work through their mm-hmm. own anxieties, um, to know all of the legal, ethical, clinical considerations to, to make it good work, um, then I think that we that the field could put clients at risk and do bad work or, or do things that aren't therapy and call them therapy, right? Um, and really discredit um, a, a growing, um, yeah, a growing type of work that really could be beneficial to so many. So You, you all have said so many important things. Part of as a, in one foot in, in, in practice and one foot in academia and as a, a trainer and an educator, I think of probably the next step is, you know, 
to, to show what this looks like. I yeah. think of mm-hmm. everybody has a pivotal moment when they're in a family therapy training program when the first time they see one of those classic tapes that yeah. even though they were made in the 70s, right. uh, they've been digitized and they stand the test of time. Right. It comes alive. And I, I feel like um, you all are kind of pioneers in this front. I feel like there should be something similar done mm-hmm. to show people or, or the skeptics, much like uh, these pioneers uh, converted the skeptics by showing their work. I think it would be wonderful uh, to show Mm -hmm. what this looks like, um, to capture that. Yeah. Uh, And I think it would be wonderful. I mean, certainly these best practices by MFT is a good start, but we need more resources and we need some exposure to this while uh, trainees, therapists in training are still in their formative period because you all literally you know, picked all this up afterwards uh, by happenstance. What do you think about incorporating this in to the way we train MFTs while they're still in a training program in graduate school. Uh, we think it's a great idea and it's essential. really, really important that it be done um, because, um, because therapists who are in their training programs right now have the opportunity to incorporate these skills um, from the very beginning and, and also, I mean, we need we need research on effective we need the numbers right and and that can best be done by big research universities or by good training programs right that um, that can combine the ability to do the research um, and and um, understand the outcomes uh, with clinicians in training um, and and hopefully and ideally, the the hours that um, uh, that students could put into online therapy could also work toward um, uh, their their hours for school. Um, yeah, for graduation, that, that right. would be really beneficial. I think this is essential to build into our training programs because we do believe that this isn't hopefully going to go away anytime soon, right. and I. I really feel that it, it has a lot of potential and it's likely to, to continue growing and reaching more people. And in order to do it well, it requires a lot of learning. Right. It requires so much homework. And it requires... And conti- as you've made it clear this hour, continual, ongoing. Work. And the value to, to have some of those educational pieces built into to curriculum, built into um, the actual training program itself, and then for people to be able to really practice under supervisors, under you know, right. the clinics that they're working in already, that is the perfect place yes. to be able to learn this and have the resources and support to learn it in a safe and appropriate way instead of you know trying to learn it all on your own, Absolutely. right? right. And to try to figure out how in the world do we do this, right? right? right. For them to be able to, to learn it in that safe and supportive environment is incredibly important. And yeah, I, we, I, I think that that is the best place for it to happen and it really should be happening there. We still want there to be opportunities for, for education for those of us who are already We're done with our, that, right? with our education or our... our there are a lot of us. Right both uh, both <laughs> Shelly and Jen are, as you can tell in this hour, a very passionate about this, accomplished <laughs> presenters on all of those four domains. Uh, and you can see them at uh, various AMFT conferences. Uh, you can check out their website, yes, 
guess TELUS, and I, I did look at the website, not only is it visually, it's, it's aesthetically very pleasing, but all that information is there. You can tell uh, you've done your homework, and, and if you're a discerning consumer, which you probably are if you're looking for an online therapist, especially an online systemic therapist, you have all that stuff on there. But please plug anything uh, you want to and, and tell people if they like listening to this, uh, if they want to correspond with you, how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so, so um, I'll, I'll kind of plug quickly our, um, our, our practice, which is United Counseling and Wellness. Uh, so our website is uh, ucwtherapy.com, uh, UCW for United Counseling and Wellness. Um, and, and there's lots of information there um, that, uh, that we can both be contacted if anyone wants to, uh, wants to reach out and, um, or um, yeah, kind of see how, how we've how we've done it and how, how we choose mm -hmm. to kind of present ourselves to clients. Um, yeah. yeah, and we've also kind of an outgrowth of this. We started getting uh, contacts from therapists uh, in all different fields, but a lot of MFT certainly from all over the country, um, just asking a ton of questions, asking if we had resources, asking if we had a lot of information. So we we decided to try to really take what's in our heads mm -hmm. and, and support therapists in right. learning this information, which is why we do you know conferences and, and podcasts, things like that. We also created Connect, which is sort of our consulting side of things, where we help therapists through either one-on-one -on -one consulting or through mastermind groups where they're working with other online therapists. So this is like the peer group you were talking. Like earlier. Oh, this, this is this is this is similar to that, right. but it's uh, it's a paid version. Sure. Um, and then also just some other educational resources that we pop up on that website. And our Connect website is about a b o u t Connect c o n n e c t. I'm having to spell this out <laughs> in my head. dot com. So about Connect dot com. And on there, that's where we put some information about how we um, personally really help people build this in, learn, get resources, find information to be able to do this well. Right. Absolutely. Wonderful. And, and I would love to have you all back uh, as we move forward talking Absolutely. about in Thank more you. a deeper dive into either yeah. one of those four domains yeah, um, that we've mentioned. But it was so helpful. Thank you very much. And um, I'm hoping uh, that we'll get to do this again. Yeah, this is Thank great. You. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. I learned a lot in that hour. Ironically, um, they do most of their work. Uh, virtually, as you heard them say, and we did that interview face-to-face, -face, but uh, they have a great uh, personal friendship and professional collaboration that really, I think, came alive in that interview. And again, I learned really how much prepared you have to be to do this. You see the painstaking detail it took them to start their online practice and even what it takes to maintain it. So this is definitely something you just don't jump into. Let's go over uh, a couple of resources uh, that you heard them allude to and, and mention. First of all, you want to talk more to Shelly or Jen. You want to go to their website for therapists as far as sharing their knowledge. If you have a vision of the online private practice you want to have someday, whether you're looking to do online therapy full-time or just as an adjunctive add-on, uh, they're there to help. So you can go to about connect.com um, about connect.com will take you right to Shelly and Jen now as you heard us mention in the previous podcast especially episode 4 with Tracy Todd AMFT 
topical interest networks are on the rise, and one of these new emerging networks that is gaining a lot of steam and interest among our members. And after meeting them and doing this interview, it's one that I'm actually going to join, even though uh, I'm only about halfway through my membership cycle. Uh, you want to go to networks.aamft.org. That's networks.aamft.org uh, slash telehealth. And we'll take you right there. So the Telehealth Interest Network is still relatively new, um, but their goal is to bring together those practicing telehealth and utilizing other new technologies in their work, to advocate on behalf of legislation and regulation, to promote technological advances in the field of MFT, and really to be on the front line of providing trainings and driving the conversation like we started today around the ethical use of online therapy and other technological practices. So you definitely want to go there. And what you can download for free right now is also something uh, Jen and Shelly were a part of, and that's the best practices in online practice of couple and family therapy. This is what I use with my students in ethics class and just in general to kind of orient myself to where the field is going in this direction. And you can find that at that very same network page. And you can get that for free without even uh, becoming part of this interest network. But I think uh, it's a really a vital tool. All right, another podcast down as we strive to give you this mix of really current issues that are affecting the way relational pra therapists practice MFT, uh, combined with these really special interviews, the person behind the therapist of su such in our archives, you can go back and listen to our two-part interview with Sue Johnson and David Snarch, and coming up in the weeks and months to come, we'll have such luminaries as Chloe Madonis, Bill Doherty, Harry Aponte, among others, so AMFT Podcast really love hearing from you easiest way to do that is drop us a line and that's at communications at aamft.org certainly would love to hear your thoughts and what you want to hear both the people and the topics you want to hear about please tell a friend you can find us on any major podcasting form a format my favorite is just going to my iPhones hitting that podcast button Please subscribe, leave us a review, give us a star rating. Those five-star ratings always help. I look forward to being back with you. As always, I'm Eli. Until next time, stay systemic, my friends.